You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, the podcast for marketing professionals in higher education. Join us every week as we talk to the industry's greatest minds in student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where marketing in higher ed is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. I am Troy Singer. He is Bart Kaler. And today we talk to Jamie Hunt. She is the Vice President for University Communications and the Chief Marketing Officer at Old Dominion University. Bart, she was our second guest that we had on the podcast. And we invited her back just because we wanted to have her on the podcast. And then we discovered she has a lot of thoughts around how AI is being utilized within higher ed marketing. And we felt that would be a wonderful topic for our discussion today. Yeah, I've kind of been, you know, geeking out or nerding out, however you want to say that on AI for the past three months. And, and uh, when she mentioned that I was like, oh, and she and I just started riffing a little bit on that initial conversation. And then I think we decided, you know what, let's just let's hold off all, all this and just talk about it on the on the recording. And I'm going to jump in here because we agreed what we were going to talk about. But then when it came to recording the podcast, Bart and Jamie just went off and dug deep. I just had to back away from the microphone. I think all of you will realize the reason why. This is a very robust, very deep conversation. And if anything, is going to excite you about what you can do with ChatGPT. So here is our conversation with Jamie Hunt. Jamie, I'm thrilled that you have agreed to come back onto the podcast and to get our conversation started, would love for you to share something interesting with us that you might have learned or experienced recently. Well, this is kind of a strange uh, uh, thing I've learned recently, but the last time I was on the podcast, I think I talked to you about my tortoise, Clementine. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, in the intervening two years, we discovered that Clementine is a male and have changed uh, his name accordingly to Clemson Robert or Clem Bob. <laughs> and he is hearty and healthy and uh, always enjoys overhearing me record podcasts. That is wonderful. And if we can say this, how, how do you discover that? How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> or should we um, just skip to uh, the topic at hand? <laughs> um, it was pretty obvious. I'll okay, just say okay. that. I'll just say that. I it was love pretty that obvious. answer. Uh, so at the time of this recording, which is in April of 2023, uh, we are heavy into all the discussion about chat GPT, but we are still within higher ed in maybe a back and forth of is it friend or is it foe and different ways as marketers that we can embrace it. So would like to kick off our conversation of, with you, Jamie. You, I consider you as someone global that you uh, are having conversations with a lot of people within the higher ed community. Would like to know if you could tell us on a high level 
what you're hearing and maybe we can go into some suggestions on how we can utilize this and really enhance the way that we perform for our institutions. Yeah, so I've been noticing over the past like two months or so a real big shift in the conversation. Mm. About two months ago, a friend approached me and said they wanted to start using ChatGPT, but their boss was like, well, that's cheating. That's plagiarism. That's not a tool that we should be using. And in the time um, since that, that was probably maybe mid-February, now um, that person's boss has completely shifted to, so how can we use chat GPT <laughs> in our workflow? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big, big shift, which I'm happy to see. I'm using it a lot. And I know um, other individuals in higher ed who are using it a lot, but I'm not sure if everybody totally understands how to harness the power of it. And mm. I don't know if I fully understand how to harness all of the power of it. And that's why I'm excited about this conversation. Yeah, I think that, um, I think what I've been noticing, it's the same type of thing. Uh, you know, we had Kyle Campbell on the podcast recently and spoke briefly about it. And since then, uh, he and, and, and Troy and I and a few other folks are going to be on a, a webinar here shortly that's uh, we're going to be talking about ChatGPT, and one of the things he's mentioned is that you know Italy has banned ChatGPT. The whole country has banned it. Wow! And so it, it's it's that kind of knee jerk reaction that I think that uh, we need to educate people on because I've I did a presentation at a conference you know back in February, and you know I had half the room was very excited about it. And these were these were small you know micro college presidents and and leaders and. And, you know, half of them were excited about it because, boy, we could do so much more than what we have budget for, what we have resources for. The other half was like, this is the worst thing that's going to be the end of civilization and, you know, that type of thing. And so I think there's a big discrepancy in, in what's out there. And so maybe you and I can just unpack a little bit about, like you said, it is in that it is in the prompt is where the power comes. Because I've also heard mm -hmm. some people say, yeah, I tried it and it's kind of it's kind of lame. It doesn't do much of anything. Yeah. Help, help me understand what you've learned about that, because I, I do think it is in the prompting. I have to give huge kudos to Joshua Dodson, who introduced me to ChatGPT a couple of months ago, and he was showing me how he uses prompts. So I didn't really have to figure it out totally from scratch. Right. I had somebody kind of give me an intro. So I have figured out that if you, you can be really specific with the prompts, like I will say, um, write X or Y um, this many words for this audience in the tone of, and then I get something that's much easier to work from. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we're ready to talk about how I'm using it, yeah, but I use it for job descriptions. So I'll be, you know, I write a, a job description summary for a position of a multimedia content creator, for example. Mm -hmm. um, write a list of qualifications for someone who may be a marketing manager. And it's not like you're going to just copy paste that into right. a job description and be done, but it gives you something to work from. And all of that mental bandwidth that you're spending thinking of those things on your own, you can pour into then crafting the job description to be exactly what you want versus by the time you get all these things pulled together, I'm tired of thinking about <laughs> it. I'm like, this is good enough or whatever. Right. Um, so this kind of saves mental bandwidth as well as a ton of time. Um, if I'm using it for interview questions, I will give it the job description, and then ask it to produce interview questions based on that job description. Yeah. And that's been great. Yeah, I, I recently had a, I'm doing kind of a fractional CMO role for a small micro college and, and they need to hire a new marketing director. And so they asked me, hey, could you take a look at the 
at the job description and I, it sat on my desk for like three days and I was like, this is like three, you know, reading through three pages of HR just wasn't my, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't excited about. So what I did is I copied and I pasted into ChatGPT and I said, review this for, and I named this, the school so that it could find reference on that and tell me what might be missing or things that I'm not seeing. And I was fascinated. One of the things it mentioned was that this being a faith-based school, there's no comment in the job description about aligning or alignment with the faith of this institution. And I was wow. like, that's a really amazing thing that multiple people had missed that it recognized was an important aspect to have within that job description for that particular institution. That's the kind of thing that, you know, it, it's in a way I kind of look at it as it's our... It's kind of our sidekick and our assistant, and I really try yeah. to help people understand it's an assistant. It's mm-hmm. you know I had I had somebody recently I was talking with a, a group at a, at a accreditation group and and I was talking with the leadership and and uh, I showed them this this Chat GPT and he likened it to the fact that it's like no different than the 80s and 90s when people would walk around with you know voice recorders and and dictate something for their assistant to do he said it's a lot like that and I said that's a perfect example of how to use this technology yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's just no limit to what you can do with it. Um, from job descriptions, things like that. This is conference proposal season. So I've been dumping things like, here's my my outline of my presentation. Write me a proposal synopsis that yep. I can work from. Or this is my proposal synopsis. Give me 10 catchy headlines for yeah. it. And you can always hit regenerate response and you get another 10 yeah. catchy headlines for it. And I don't know about you or the listeners, but you, sometimes you just don't have the mental bandwidth to be clever, <laughs> you know, with those things. 24-7, yeah. Right, right. And so having, you know, an assistant who can spit out in 30 seconds, here are 10 ideas. Maybe they all stink. Um, you just hit that button, regenerate again, yeah. and you get 10 more and you can modify something. Yeah. Um, I've also really, really enjoyed it for um, outlining articles. So if I'm going to write about something, um, if I, it helps me not miss any part of that topic. Mm-hmm. So I could say, I want, I want to write an article about this. These are, this is sort of the high notes I want to hit. And then it gives me an outline and I can always delve deeper into that outline. And then I can write from that. And it saves me so much time because outlining is the worst part yeah. for me. Yeah. Anyway, I've noticed, too, that um, getting back to the prompts a little bit, one thing that I did recently was that I actually, uh, you know, one of the one of the key prompts that I've learned is that you have to tell it what kind of expert you want it to be. So if you're wanting it to review a, a uh, job description, you know, act as a HR professional at a you know, major university or whatever you want it to be. You have to be that specific. So I started prompting it to, you know, acting as a higher ed marketing expert, do this. Mm. And so as I started doing that, one thing I started to learn is that I also recognized that somebody said you can actually either upload or give it reference for style or expertise. And so I actually went ahead and put down the $20 for OpenAI's ChatGPT. And, and that's what we're talking a lot about, folks, just so that you know, if you go to chat.open. AI.com. That's where you can, you know, play with ChatGPT. They have an option to buy a subscription for twenty dollars a month, 
kind of gets you first in line so you don't have to wait for things. And, and I've found a lot of people that are really playing with it have invested in that. But one of the things it also does is it allows you to keep you know a constant record of everything that you've done, which is very helpful to be able to go back and look at your prompts. Um, but one of the prompts that I did is I said, you know, acting as a higher ed expert, but also starting, you know, whenever you give me a response, always base it on the expertise of Bart Kaler on this blog. And so I have like 600 articles on my blog. So I gave it the URL wow. of the blog. And I said, always start with this as your expertise, but also don't limit it to this. Open it up to any other expertise that you can find. And I, you know, and you have to act like it's a person. And so I said, do you understand that? And I said, yes, I understand it. Repeated it back. And then I said, will you always remember this every time that I engage with you in the future prompts? Yes, I'll make sure that I always engage with you in this way. And so I've basically trained it to be my personal assistant. So now it knows that anytime I start a conversation with it, it knows that it has to be a higher education marketing expert. It has to use my blog as the first source of authority. And so um, that fascinates me even more on where that's going. Yeah, that is super interesting. I have given it... Um, things I've written in the past and asked it to match the tone right. um, for, for things like that. And I've actually <laughs> said, write this in the style of David Sedaris. Mm -hmm. I'm, and it's not necessarily spitting out something that I can just use, but it has more of that light tone to it. Um, that's a little bit more, more useful. Um, somebody I know is working on rewriting all of their program pages for their mm -hmm. institutional website. And it's like, Giving, they're giving the the bot or whatever we're calling ChatGPT. I feel like it needs a name that's better than ChatGPT. <laughs> I it's have like, clients that have named it, so <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but you know, giving it um, kind of a here's some resources to look to now write copy about why a degree in computer science mm. is a good career choice, or yeah. you know, whatever, fill in the blank for the type of stuff that goes on a program page, and then. All he has to do is change the name of the program. Right. And suddenly in an afternoon, he has, you know, 25 program right. page where all he has to do is kind of edit it and make sure it works. Right. And you can also kind of tell it to use um, certain keywords so that you can get SEO kind of built into what's exactly. being written. Yeah, I've, I've done that a couple of times where I've said, you know, do this, rewrite this, but include keywords that are going to be associated with this particular school or this particular major. And it, it will go out and, and understand that. And keep in mind, everyone, that, you know, the, the, the chat GPT-3, which is kind of the most popular one now, is about two years old. So it only knows everything on the internet and that's on the internet up until about two years ago. So it's difficult to get it to be, you know, super relevant to the last, you know, 24 months. But ChatGPT4 is faster and it does have um, most current data. Um, it's changing so quickly, too. I mean, that's been one of the challenges I've had, Jamie. I don't know about you, is just staying up on all this. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I was thinking about how three months ago we didn't really even have this tool. And now it's it's changing and evolving. It seems like every time I log in, there's some new way that you can engage with it. And I'm really interested in seeing what some of the competitors come up with. You'll be interested to see the strengths and weaknesses of both. Yeah. So where are you getting your you know, regular information about this? Because I mean, I'm using Instagram. I have discovered some people that, you know, guys that are just learning about this and they're posting on Instagram every day. And I've subscribed to a couple newsletters and I'm just saving them to a notion file just to say, you know, Hey, I'll go back and read all this, but that's where I'm learning the most for, from myself. Where, where are you going to, for the, for those sources? 
Yeah, so I've been listening to podcasts about it. Mm-hmm. I have been having conversations with people who are, are using it, people like you, people like Mallory Wilsey. You know, just lo- reading, there's countless articles about yeah. how you can use it. And I, I've kind of backed off of Instagram, but that's an interesting idea um, to use that for that. And um, I've also spent a little bit of time on TikTok, but then I always end up on Dog Talk, and then I get distracted <laughs> by Dog Talk. I'm looking at puppies, and it's... The whole rest of the night is gone. Yeah, that's great. One of the things that I discovered the other day was this website called poe.com. It's P-O-E.com. It actually lets you set up your own bot. And so it, it's got higher, it's got chat GPT under the hood, but you can go in and you can name your bot. You can make a description. You can decide whether you want to base it on chat GPT or one of the other, you know, bots that are out there. And then you, what you do is you create your own master prompt so that whoever comes and uses the, the bot can kind of focus in on your expertise to set up the the structure of it. And so I did one obviously for higher ed marketing. And so I named him higher ed Mark and, uh, the prompt that I, that I wrote, um, you know, his description, he introduces himself as higher ed. Mark is a bot created by Bart Kaler of Kaler solutions to assist you with your higher education marketing needs and to provide a playground to better understand how AI can assist you in your marketing communication. So it's just something to play with. But the prompt that I had to write to get there, and, and this might be a little long, but I'm, this, I'm usually using this as an example of how a prompt, a master prompt like this works. And I, what I put is, acting as a higher education marketer, provide answers based on cost-effective best practices that will enhance enrollment and giving at small to medium-sized schools. Assume that the individuals asking the questions have a limited budget, limited time, and a very small marketing department, if any at all. You need to provide the best answers and solutions that anyone can implement to make an impact on their marketing and communication efforts. Be sure to return your answers in a way that is not too academic or overwhelming for beginning marketers, but still very creative and original. Use the writings of Bart Kaler at kalersolutions.com slash blog as your first authority style and link to expertise as you return your results. Also return your answers that are inexpensive and cost-effective first. Rely on guerrilla marketing and ask further questions as the user is needed to better deliver the most expert responses that are easy to understand. That's the prompt that I wrote. So now anybody who goes to this bot and asks a question about higher education marketing is going to get those types of answers first and foremost. This is amazing. So so when I was at Winston-Salem State, we had a bot, right? A chat bot. And the amount of effort it took to populate the responses was intense, right? I mean, it wasn't the hardest thing we've ever done in the world, but it wasn't just 10 minutes, like kind of what you're describing. And so when I'm in here and I, I typed, what's the best way to distribute a press release? And it gave me like a really nice answer with four points. Um, but within those points, there's things you can click on and then it sort of answers, um, those things more in depth. So if I clicked on, um, so the first answer had something about best practices for email outreach. So I clicked on email outreach and then it gave me, you know, what is email outreach and what makes it successful and how does it work? And it, this is like, it's almost like a professor in a box. It's crazy. And like I said, at 10 minutes, it took me to build that. And it gave me some options. And, and I came across another one the other day that I'm just playing with. It's called chat, chatbase.co. And what that does is it lets you basically take what I just did there. And now I have a piece of JavaScript to put it on my own website. And wow. so now I can, whenever somebody comes to kalersolutions.com, 
that bot shows up and says, how can I help you? And it will read all of my blog posts and deliver answers based on that. Wow. Um, so things are changing fast. And I think that's part of what, you know, part of what I want to talk about just on this first part is pay attention because it's changing so quickly that um, it's, it's just important to understand that. I feel like I've been heads down in a hiring frenzy for the past like three or four weeks where all I'm doing is interviews and setting up interviews is what it feels like. And I feel like I've gotten a little bit behind because of that. Um, I do spend some time with it in the evenings too for, you know, some of my personal writings. Um, I've used it to help me, you know, outline all kinds of things. Um, But this is amazing what you were able to do with 10 minutes. Yeah. And I could see this really moving the needle in a lot of ways for students or alumni or whatever. Because when you think about, um, my institution has a lot of uh, first-generation college students, Pell-eligible college students who maybe don't have people in their family that can help guide them. What what the heck is a bursar? Right. You can just ask. You don't have to embarrass yourself. What's a credit hour mean? And you're not embarrassing yourself by asking this question, right? Where you feel like you're going to be embarrassed because you're showing you don't have the knowledge. You're, you know, asking the question of, you know, an inanimate being that's Mm -hmm. not judging you and getting probably a more beneficial answer than what you would get if you called somebody's office. Yeah. I mean, that would be a perfect idea that you you create a bot through using this tool. You base it on your school. You put the master prompt in there to say, assume that the, you know, assume that the user is going to be a first generation college student, deliver non-academic, very personal ways of, and yeah, I could see that being just a slam dunk right now. That's amazing. I cannot wait to meet with uh, the admissions (laughs) AVP to be like, we're going to have a bot. Skip this old, whole bot that had to scrape the website and we had to verify the answers and all of that. Yeah. Uh, have you found this to be really accurate? You know, I've played with it a little bit and just on the LinkedIn responses that I had when I put it in, I had some people that actually did screen captures of, you know, what they what they put on and they were just blown away. They were like, I I love higher ed Mark. He really knows his stuff. And I'm like, well, it's chat GPT. So, um, I mean, obviously everybody needs to be aware that chat GPT does have its its and, and your your question is a fair one. Chat GPT is still in it's still being de- developed. And so certainly there's sometimes it, it delivers very confident, just fake stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and so being, being aware of that, sometimes what I've found is that if I ask it a question, I will actually in my prompt say, please provide me three, uh, you know, hyperlinks to your sources. And, mm. and it will actually deliver back, you know, footnotes on where it got the information that it needed to do. I, I was at a recent, uh, another micro college that I worked with recently, and uh, one of their, their, their chancellor had passed away who'd started the school back in the, in the 80s. And uh, I, you know, I was waiting about a week for the writer to give me a, a, a press release that we could put up on the website. So I just asked ChatGPT to do it. And I said, I want to, you know, I'm doing a letter from the president for a fundraiser. Here's what I want, and I want this well-known person. I want you to reference a couple of things. Give me, give me the hyperlinks of where you referenced it. And it came up with a great letter, uh, very empathetic, and I actually prompted it to, I want to do this type of thing. But it gave me the references of where it found the quote that I wanted that from because it was a well-known person that has a lot of writings. And so I said, I want to have a quote that talks about the importance of the next generation. 
And it wrote it, and it gave me the reference of where the quote was, and so I was able to verify that. That is awesome. I've used it for uh, letters to prospective students Mm -hmm. and told it, you know, we want them to feel warm, welcomed, enthusiastic, like they're going to be fully supported. Write this from the perspective of a department chair um, and then have it take, you know, draft that out for me. We can make any revisions or changes. But even putting that tone um, into it, huge difference. Because I feel like if you just go to ChatGPT and you type, write me something which is what probably all of us did the first time we got it. Um, it spits out something that reads like a 11th grader B minus level paper. Exactly. Where it's like states what you asked it, like has the thesis and then like in conclusion. Exactly. Blah, blah, blah. It always yeah. says in summary. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And That's you're great. like, this was like three paragraphs. I didn't need it in summary. Exactly. As we're approaching the conversation around outreach and enhancing it, we'd like to hear either what you're thinking about or what you're hearing about as it relates to personalization and enhancing that and making sure that we can do things more automated than we have been able to do in the past. One of the things I really want to do is be able to have truly, truly personalized Uh, both email and text communications to prospective students. So we have all kinds of information about them in our CRMs, right? We know what majors they're interested in. A lot of times we know what activities and sports and clubs they were members of. We ought to very easily be able to use something like ChatGPT to craft a message that is targeted specifically to a student, their interests, and what they are concerned about even Mm -hmm. because you know you might be able to make some deductions if you're a um a student coming from a rural rural area perhaps maybe specifically a female student coming from a rural area and you're looking at an institution that's urban in a large city you might need some reassurance about campus safety so you could probably even put in zip codes and say if they're from this zip code make sure that one of the messages in their Comflow addresses campus safety. But this has been a dream of mine for like 15 years oh, yeah. of how we could have hyper-personalized communications to prospective yeah. students. I think we're close to that, and I know that there's a lot of people thinking about that. I did a proof of concept recently. Just I, I figured out a way. There's, there's a Chrome plugin that lets uh, ChatGPT have access to Google Sheets and Google Drive or Google Docs. And so you have to use an API from your paid OpenAI account. And I got that set up and I was able to set up a, a, you know, it was only three lines that I did in Google Sheets, but I had a person's name, I had their major, I had, you know, some of the other extracurricular activities. And I basically, the prompt, because then you write a an Excel formula using ChatGPT. It's kind of crazy. And you say, use cell A1, A2, and A3 to write a generation, first generation college student. And you, you write the prompt in there as an Excel formula. And then you hit return, and then you can copy that just like a normal f- formula. It did an amazing job. And I said, use emojis too. And so the person that wow. had person that had music as their major, it had little emojis in the subject line. Because I said, write a subject line. And then I had another column that said, write the content. Um, it did an amazing job just as a proof of concept. And Wow. I haven't been able to, you know, expand that out and do it to the level that you are. But even keeping in mind, too, if you could say, 
you know, use the, because I think you could actually prompt ChatGPT to understand the zip code and it would be able to hit the databases to say, if this is from a rural zip code and just tell it that and to be able to return the, the safety information, because you wouldn't have to say, use these zip codes, you would actually just let it figure it out. I mean, that's yeah. the power it has. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Like it's gonna transform everything yeah. about what we do. Because there will be no form letters in no. a year. I mean, mark my words, there will not be form letters that will not be, everybody gets the same thing in a year. I think everybody's going to figure this out. Everybody's going to figure it out. And I think that the people that are going to figure it out are the people that understand the prompts. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, and I do think that, um, I heard somebody say yesterday, and I've been saying this for a while now, this is the biggest shift in technology since the internet. And I'm not sure if everybody gets that or understands that, but that's my belief is that I, I don't think we've seen anything this big since the internet started. And I would even argue that this might even be bigger than the internet. I think it has the potential to be. Um, this this colleague of mine that I said was using it for program pages is actually using it to write scripts for videos and then using AI technology to generate those videos. Yeah. It's like a whole video shoot with, there's little things where it's like somebody might have three hands or something in the <laughs> photo. And like, yeah, don't use that photo. But imagine the production time that it would take you to do a video about every major at your institution. Right. And that would take years. Right. And years. I think that's I think that's one thing we haven't talked about yet is we've talked about chat GPT and that's a thin, thin slice of the entire what I call AI artificial intelligence pie. I mean, we haven't talked about Mind Journey. We haven't talked about Dolly. We haven't talked about mm -mm. Synthesia or these other tools that are out there that let you do something crazy like this. I mean, I don't know if you've played with Mind Journey much, but I've been blown away at the prompts that you can put in there just to have, I mean, you can say, you know, use like a real engine, hyper cinematic, you know, James Cameron type of style. And it will actually generate a photo that looks like something that came from a movie that you know, it was Terminator or something. And so um, there's just an amazing amount of stuff out on the horizon that's going on that will not be limited to just text. It won't be limited to photos. It's going to be everything. And part of the challenge is going to be trying to figure out what's truth and what's fake. I mean, we talked about deep fakes before. This is mm -hmm. kind of taking it to a whole new level. I mean, are we going to need actors in the future? Or are we just going to take, you know, Mark Hamill and put him in everything because <laughs> exactly. he's the greatest ever? <laughs> I mean, find our, our tr Mr. Rogers and can he live forever? I mean, right. I, it does make me wonder about the ethics of AI and how that's all going to shake out because I'm a little wary of the way some people have reacted to it, like right. this very negative reaction. This is going to destroy art. This is going to destroy writers. This is going to destroy careers. And I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on, on the ethics and how do you, you know, stay in those bounds? It, it's like anything else. I mean, I think anytime a piece of technology comes out or anytime something new comes out and it's, I mean, it goes to the, from the dawn of creation. I mean, there's always an opportunity to, for bad actors to do use, you know, I mean, Abel was killed by Cain, you know, with a rock because, you know, what, what he thought was going on. And, and, and so that's always been there. 
And, you know, you can say, well, the rock was the problem. Well, no, the rock wasn't the problem. The rock, as, as it's been, you know, it's told, was, was a tool that was used, and it could be used to put something together. It could be used to mm-hmm. kill someone. And the, the heart of man chose to kill somebody with it. And, and so I think that's going to be the challenge is that, that ethics around all of this, because that's why I keep telling people this is a tool. And a tool can be used for good or it can be used for evil. Um, and, and I know that there, you know, we could get into a long conversation about this and people could start putting politics in it and everything else. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in, in the fact that before we throw everything out and say it's all bad, let's take a look at what's good about it. And we've got to figure out how, how we are going to be responsible with it. So, Yeah, absolutely. I some of the early, uh, you know, hubbub about it, I think, was around students potentially cheating to write papers yeah. and that kind of thing, which I get because I, I do feel like the act of writing does help you retain the knowledge that you're sort of, I hate to say the word regurgitating, but, you know, you're processing knowledge through the writing process. Sure. And so, you know, just being really good at writing a chat GPT prompt and getting um, a really great paper out of it. You're, you're not learning anything, but you're really only shortchanging yourself. Right, right. And I think people will figure that out. I think that, I think it's going to come down to we as educators need to help people understand how to think. And, and I think that writing is still going to be a part of that. I mean, people don't, I mean, even though we all have cars and bicycles for the last 150 years, people have not stopped walking. Right. I, I mean, and honestly, walking has turned into an exercise that a lot of people do because they understand the importance of it for their health. I think we're going to see that in the way that we do our thinking as well. It's just not evolved yet. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's where we are right now. I'm excited to see what the next, you know, five to 10 years bring, assuming that the AIs don't become sentient and you know, <laughs> <laughs> overthrow us or whatever. I mean, I, this is probably like, you know, too much sugar for a dime, but um, I am a believer in like, eh, I think there's a chance we're in the matrix. So um, how, how, is the, how are these AI tools, you know, going to impact the matrix that we're in or, or whatever? Yeah. I've had some of thoughts that I've shared with Bart as well that um, love all of the technology, but yeah, I've seen too many sci-fi movies not to be scared just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> right? Jamie, thank you very much for helping us to create a wonderful conversation and at the very least have marketers out there excited and more curious and now knowing a little bit more about the possibilities at their fingertips right now. Are there any final thoughts or maybe recommendations that you would like to give us before we leave today? I just think about, uh, I started in newspaper reporting in 1997, which is, you'll you'll probably know, about the time that the internet was really starting to grow, right? And the newspaper that I worked for um, did not allow us to have internet and did not allow us to have email addresses. And when I think about the newspaper industry in general and how much they had their head in the sand around the internet and how much that destroyed journalism um, because they were just stubborn about sticking to the old ways of doing things, I don't think higher ed marketers want to be in that boat. We want to be in a boat that's embracing new technologies, trying it, seeing how it will work for our workflows, making smart decisions about it so that we're not going to go the way of the dinosaur the way newspapers have, unfortunately. I mean, our local newspaper, 
I believe somebody told me it's got 10% of the reporters that it had um, in the late 90s. So, you know, we need to stay current and abreast um, of the latest tools and technologies in order to be successful. Thank you very much. I appreciate you being on our podcast. This is your second episode with us. You are on our second episode. And for our listeners who aren't familiar with Jamie, not only do I invite you to go back to that second episode, but I encourage you to follow her, to uh, maybe connect with her. You will be a more informed and a happier higher ed marketer for doing so. (laughs) Jamie, what is the best way for someone to either follow you or connect with you? Yeah, so Twitter is a great place to find me, assuming that it doesn't, you know, crash and burn (laughs) in in the (laughs) ensuing months. But I'm Jamie Hunt IMC there. It's J-A-I-M-E hunt. Um, And I'm also using LinkedIn a lot more now. That's another great place to reach me. Um, And then, you know, you can always email me at ODU. I'm always eager to connect and always eager to have a conversation. And thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much. Bart, do you have any closing thoughts that you would like to share? Before we get too far away from it, I also want to plug Jamie's podcast, Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO. It's part of the Enrollify network. Uh, We have friends over there with Zach and everyone. So really encourage everyone to follow that as a podcast because if you're listening now, you need to also be listening to that podcast. It's been a great conversation. And I know that uh, Jamie and I could probably go on for another hour exploring rabbit holes with ChatGPT and and artificial intelligence. But um, I think one thing that was said, and I don't even know when this episode is probably going to come out in June sometime. There's going to be things that you're going to listen to on this episode in June, and you're going to say, wow, what were they thinking? That things have changed. (laughs) And I just, that is how much things are changing. And so I fully anticipate that to happen. I know that Jamie and I will still be paying attention to it in June and July. And so if you're listening to this, if you've got questions on something that we said or something that came up, be sure to reach out to us because this is an evolving and changing thing. But what Jamie said is so true. We need as higher ed marketers to embrace this and figure it out and hold on and not just be uh, you know, willing to say, oh, well, we'll figure that out later or that's not really our thing or we don't really need to worry about that because we, we're not going to plagiarize. That's not a choice. Uh, we've got to, you've got to figure out how to make it u- useful for your organization. And so uh, just out of curiosity, Jamie, is that newspaper that you first worked for, is it still in business? It is not. I didn't think it would be. So <laughs> yep. um, I think that was kind of a rhetorical question probably at the best. So so thank you so much, Jamie. It's been wonderful to have you on the podcast again. Thank you. It's been lovely. The Higher Ed Marketer Podcast is sponsored by Kaler Solutions, an education marketing and branding agency, and by Ring Digital, consistently providing double-digit increases in yield for institutions by directly connecting them to the devices of their valued enrollment funnel lists every day. I'd also like to give a big thank you and shout out to our executive producer, Rob Conlon at Westport Studios. On behalf of our wonderful guests, Jamie, Bart, and myself, thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. The Higher Ed Marketer is a production of Kaler Solutions and Ring Digital in partnership with Westport Studios. Views and opinions expressed by guests on The Higher Ed Marketer are their own and may not reflect the views and opinions of their organization. 
Know someone who's a mover and a shaker in higher ed marketing? Visit www.higheredmarketerpodcast.com and click on our Contact Us page. We'd love to have you tell us about them. Until next time. Oh, <laughs>